Are you doing well today? Well, good. Well, good. Well, good. Um, I don't really exactly know where I'm going this morning, although I have written down some scriptures and a few thoughts and stuff because I was going a whole different direction till Peter yesterday was sharing his message at the men's uh, breakfast and I felt uh, a little tugging on my spirit that maybe I should uh, tag along with that and, 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 and share in, in those lines. Uh, wasn't sure till really last night that uh, this is what we should talk about because of the fact that there is so little real understanding of this issue and, uh, and many times people are uh, misinformed and therefore don't handle things well. Does that make sense? Um, if, if some of you athletes, uh, Joe, you know in basketball when you study somebody's film and he's going to go pump, 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 he's going to fake to the right and he's going to go to the left and you've studied the film, when he's trying to fake you, you just laugh at him, right? Because you know he's going to fake to the right, and he's going to the left. So you don't even have to bite for the fake. You just wait for him over here to his left, and <laughs> here I am, <laughs> and sl- slam the ball away, or, or whatever the situation might be. So, um, so you don't have to worry, be afraid, be anxious, or whatever, uh, in, in those situations, because you know the play. You know what's going on. Um, just in, in, in general. So, though the title is a little funny, is pain, part, is pain part of the Christian life or the Christian experience? It is actually an encouraging message. It is not a message that says, oh, pain. It is a message that says, oh, pain, wow. Okay, I didn't go for it. <laughs> to have perspective, to have insight, to look to Jesus, and to look to the scriptures, what they have to say concerning pain, concerning tests and trials and tribulations, and a difficulty, if you will, and the idea of, therefore, with that, some pain. Um, Most people, when it comes to pain, they think that that comes from Satan. And that could be, but that is not necessarily so. Other people cannot fathom the idea that God would allow some pain over you, that he would orchestrate it so that you might do better. Um, my parents never had problem with that. For me to have some pain, whether it was in a spanking or whether it was in a, uh, how you call it, an injection from the doctor so that I would do better. I was sick. I need a shot. He gives me a shot. It hurts a little bit. And then in a couple of days, I'm, I'm, I'm much better. Are you with me? So, uh, and then sometimes people think when there is difficulty, it's because there was sin. That might be true, but that that is not necessarily true. Because Jesus died on the cross, and he never sinned. 
So, okay, it could very well be true that you were in sin, and, and with that comes difficulty. Then you have to get out of your sin, out of obedience to the Lord, and then see if some of those difficulties go away. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe there's just some consequences that might last for a while. Uh, and if, you, uh, uh, if the enemy is attacking you, you come for prayer so that uh, we, we, we can help uh, through, through prayer and uh, engaging the Spirit of God can help you uh, get rid of that. Um, I remember, and I've told you this before, but I'll just tell it to you again, uh, that I was invited to a Christian science, is it, did I say it right? Christian science congregation one time on the basis of some testimony I had shared. And some people say, Christian science church, and you went over there? Yeah. I'll go to a bar if I, if I get to preach. I'll go anywhere if I get to preach. So I have no problem with that. If I get to preach, I'm going. Uh, I want to expand the kingdom of God and lift up the name of Jesus anywhere. So I went, and as I was sitting there, I realized, huh, this is not what they had asked me to share upon. They were talking about uh, some mental health things. And I don't know much about mental health. But I was taking some notes, taking some notes, because I was to speak. <laughs> and, uh, so, so there were speakers, and then one speaker uh, was a, a very, uh, I guess, maybe knowledgeable person who wanted everybody to know that he was knowledgeable. Um, <laughs> so he used very many expensive words and so, words that I didn't understand because they were in that particular uh, profession, and I didn't know much about it. And then there was, after him, a doctor spoke. He was a Jewish doctor, and he was the, 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 the most educated of the whole group. And he said things like this. He said, the truth of the matter is that we're not getting anywhere near the results that we thought we'd get. Not anywhere near the results that we thought we'd get. And that is just the fact. And uh, I was appreciative of the fact that he was that honest because nobody else that had spoken this far uh, had said anything like that. Uh, and then it was my turn to speak. And I got up and I told the group, I am coming from a completely different perspective than you guys come. Completely different perspective. If this is not good, just ask me to leave, no hard feelings, and I'll be gone. But I'm coming from a Christian perspective where I'm speaking, I'm counting on the power of the resurrection to help us in some of these areas. And by the way, some of these uh, 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 emotional issues... I, I could be chemical. I don't know anything about that. And, and then they go to you, and then they get medication, and then the chemical imbalance is brought in balance, and then people are doing okay. Uh, uh, but some of the problems are spiritual, and you don't know anything about that. I have perceived thus far. And so then you have to bring them to us, and I will pray over them. And we'll ask God to help. And God is the only one in those cases who can help. And the power of the resurrection has no match 
in the universe. And so therefore, um, if, if we pray and ask God to be engaged in this, and God in His grace would see fit to step in, then that person would be healed. But if it's a spiritual matter, no sense in giving you med- medication. If it's a spiritual matter. It could be a combination, spiritual and physical, or spiritual and chemical. Okay, then you, we have prayer and we have medication. Um, so, so it is not always the enemy that is at work when there is pain. Sometimes God not only allows the pain, but sometimes he orchestrates the pain. Yeah, I, I'm going to talk about this toward the end. But let me just ask you the question so I, I make my point. Because some people have a hard time understanding that God can allow or cause pain for our betterment. When it talks about, in Hebrews the 12th chapter, about God disciplining His children. Do you have the idea that when He talks about discipline, the author of the book of Hebrews, that there is pain involved? Yes? Yes. There is Almost always pain involved in discipline. Or if you want to say inconvenience, okay, that's a form of pain. Um, But many times there's pain involved because God wants us to grow up. And so when it comes to discipline, when God disciplines his children, and I may as well talk about it right now. God says I'm there. Um, when, when a talk comes to, to discipline, it is not that God is punishing you. You have to distinguish between these two things, brothers and sisters, because so often I hear this language that God is going to punish you. He doesn't punish His children. The punishment was taken 2,000 years ago on the cross by Jesus Christ. Your punishment is gone. But there's discipline. And there's a, 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 a decided difference between discipline and punishment. Punishment is to satisfy justice. Are you with me? Did I say discipline? Punishment. Punishment is to satisfy justice. You did something wrong, punishment is you get punished. That is to satisfy the, the, the justice. And God has done that for us when Jesus took the punishment for us. Okay? So, often we think about the cross as that was an expression of the love of God. And it was. But it was not just the expression of the love of God. It was also the expression of His justice. Justice that we should have received the punishment for. That Jesus took for us so that we wouldn't have to be punished. Because our punishment otherwise would have been hell. And we're spared from that. So, but, but God disciplines those who He loves because He wants discipline is for the purpose of maturity. So that His children can mature and grow up to be more like Jesus. To be more like Jesus, His only begotten Uniquely begotten Son. So, um, having said that, so uh, 
uh, and we'll go back to the discipline thing at, at the end over here. But but uh, let's let's go on a, a little bit different uh, uh, direction. There is at least three songs that came to my mind, or column choruses that came to my mind uh, when I was thinking about this. In the middle of the night, three o'clock in the morning, I'm thinking about, okay, Lord, this was late notice you gave me. <laughs> uh, how is this going to flow? How is going to, this going to make sense? And there is a, a little course that goes like this. Uh, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. Let us, I'll be glad. How's it goes? I'll be glad in it. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, this is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. And then there's another one. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. I started a little too high, didn't I? <laughs> For I have overcome the world. Okay, and then the third one goes, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And this is the day. This is the day. Uh, these things have I spoken unto me, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. What does it mean to, to be of good cheer? Be happy. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. How often am I supposed to rejoice? Hello. This is the day. This, I started a little bit lower this time because I got in the bind earlier. This is the day that the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will rejoice and be glad. In it. What, what, now, what day was this? This day. This day. And what occurs to me is that as Christians who should rejoice and be glad in this day, how easily we are getting off track. How easily we are swayed otherwise and let someone spoil our day. Steal our joy. I've come to the place where I say, and I can't steal my joy, so the gift of the Holy Spirit, but at least stump my joy or, or, or numb my joy or whatever it may be. Um, so readily, when, when I've traveled a little bit, when you go to some countries... That for the Christianity's sake, because they are Christians, they get a house burned. They get a church burned. Some of them get whipped and beaten. Some of them even put to death. And we, we lose, 
we get off track about this rejoicing and being glad in this day when... Well, can you give me an example? When we don't get well, we, well, like what? When, th- when things are not going our way, like what? I don't get the breakfast that I wanted. Okay? I went to eat with a friend, and I wanted this, and he wanted that. Okay? I'm suffering. I, I can't find a good parking lot. <laughs> it spoiled my day. Uh, I get a flat tire. Oh, I'm so sad. The weather is not what you wanted. And then... <laughs> and then we attribute some of these things to Satan that Satan really tried to keep me from coming to church today. Uh, my coffee burned. My alarm didn't go off. Uh, I locked my keys in the house. I mean, is that all that Satan got? Is that all that it takes for him to even make you think that he was involved in you keeping, in keeping you coming to church? Hey, I don't want to challenge anybody by any means. But he's got to do a whole lot better than that with the children of God. If he's going to derail you a little bit. So here's, here's sort of where I'm coming from. That pain is part of the Christian experience here on earth. When we're there in heaven, there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more grief of any sort. But while we're here on earth, this life is simply not perfect. Often people ask me, well, how was your day? Well, it was a day here on earth. You know, so, yeah, some things are a little bit more pleasant than other things. Other things are a little bit more unpleasant. But I have not experienced anything in a long, long time that I should complain about. Before I go on about this pain thing, I want you to know that we've experienced some pain. Because it is easy to talk about that pain is, an ex, is part of your Christian experience when you never had pain. But, you know, we have had uh, our youngest, the daughter, and the oldest, they strayed from the Lord. They're tied with Jesus now, mind you. But they strayed away from the Lord for some years. For a parent, that is pain. I guarantee you. The things that you have taught them all their lives not to do. There they are. Or our daughter, she had a child out of wedlock. That caused some pain. It caused me pain for about 30 seconds. Because she's my daughter. And I love her. And in about 30 seconds, I decided, here is where we find ourselves. What are we going to do about it, Lord? Where are we going from here? I love my daughter. And her son? We love him. We can't imagine life without him. We had a tennis club. We lost it. 
You think it's fun to lose your business? If you never have, don't wish it on my worst enemy. That's painful. Especially when you took a stand because of your Christian convictions, and then people called you Ayatollah Khomeini, fanatical Baptist preacher, and the like. And you go to a meeting with some of those folks, and if I would have misspoken once, they would have beaten me up. I'm just telling you the truth. And then, not only did you lose your business, but because when you lose your business, you still owe money. That was over a million dollars of debt. And we didn't have a penny. Uh, well, not a penny. But we didn't have a dollar at some times. Not one dollar at some times. Some pain. So, this is not uh, excruciating pain, but nevertheless, some pain. Would you agree? Uh, there's some pain involved in this. But this pain also caused me to go to the scriptures and say to the Lord, Lord, I have made mistakes. Of course I've made mistakes. <laughs> Who doesn't make mistakes? No matter what you do. So it could not be that I lost my business because, simply because I made mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. So that could not be the only reason. Because God wanted, part of the reason at least was, that God wanted to grow me up like a son. Not to remain a child forever. That could be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine that would come around. But that he would have a steadfast son that would stand on the rock Jesus Christ. And built his life that way. So, um, can we look at John sixteen thirty three, and then we'll 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 go over that a little bit. Before you go over that, or, or go over that, and then let me just say these are some of the things that when we're talking about these scriptures, I want you to look for. Not every of these, every one of these items is in every one of the scriptures. But there's a sort of a commonality there in the scriptures concerning some of, some of these things. For example, uh, that God will use these things to build us up, to make us stronger in Him, if we would just believe it. And there are scriptures galore, but I'm just going to give you a few uh, because we don't, we don't have time. And because I went through these experiences, I went to, to the scriptures to ask God, what are you doing? And it was very plain and clear in the scriptures that he was loving his son and building him up. Okay. So, these things have I spoken unto you. I sang it to you, so I just I threw you way off because, you know, my singing will throw you off. Um, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. Or you may have peace. This is a new King James. The old King James says, in me ye might have peace. In the world you will, in the old, it says, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Can we look at that just a little bit? He says, these things I have spoken unto you. This is Jesus speaking, and he says to his disciples, I've been telling you about this. 
I've been speaking to you about these things. These things have I spoken unto you. And he says that in me, you might have peace. There shouldn't be any anxiety coming your way. Just because there's some trouble. I'm aware of it. And I got your back. In the world, I, I, I spoke that you might, in me, you might have peace. The peace doesn't come because you decide to have peace. The peace doesn't come because you have to change your attitude. The peace comes when you look to Him because in Him you have the peace. Amen. Nowhere else, my brothers and sisters. If you look anywhere else, I can guarantee you just about unpeace because everywhere else it, it, it looks messy. But in Him, there is peace. He's in charge of the universe. Hey, I'm hanging out with Him. In the world, you will have tribulations. This is a guarantee. This is not something strange. As it says, as Peter, the apostle Peter writes to us, don't be surprised. This is nothing strange that is happening over here. This is this life here on earth. It's with difficulty. In the world, you shall have tribulation. And then, you know, one of my favorite words in the scriptures is the word but. Because there, come to, there comes a counterpart. There comes a, 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 a contradiction of the previous part before the but. It was either negative and it's now going to be positive, or it was positive and now it's going to be negative. And he says, listen, you might, there will be tribulations, and you think that that's bad news. But I'm telling you some good news. Be of good cheer. Now, what does that mean to you? Be of good cheer. Be optimistic. Anybody? Remember the hope. Okay? Okay? Be of good cheer simply means be joyful. Yes? When you... Okay, one of your children plays football. Hey, Byron, where's Byron? Byron plays football. We're cheering him on. Do, do we cheer him on like, Byron. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do your best, Byron. <laughs> Byron, come on, baby. Come on, baby. Let's go. Cheering him on. You know, everything, everything shows that you're, you're excited about something. And he says, be of good cheer. But not because... Uh, you should work yourself up to be cheerful. He says, this is the reason I have overcome the world. This problem in the world is too much for you. But I have already overcome it. So if you look to me, you'll have peace and you can be joyful because I've, I've got your back. My dear brothers and sisters, how we need this word from the Lord. That he's got our back. That he's got our back. But he, these tribulations, they sometimes they cause pain. And in, in, in those days, some of the tribulations had to do with the, the persecution of the Jews, of the, of, the, of, the, of the Christians. They were persecuted. There was no fun about that. So, oh, did I give you my commonalities? I, I didn't give you the commonalities. So, uh, there, is, there is a trial factor. There is a peace factor. There is a knowledge factor. There is a when factor, not an if factor. There is a growth factor. 
and there is a joy factor. We saw here the peace and the joy and the, and, and the sort of the when because he says in the world you shall have tribulations. It is not if, it is when. Then we look at Romans 5, 3 through 5. Romans 5, 3 through 5. For we glory in tribulation because tribulation worketh patience. Or another translation says uh, produces. That might be a, a better translation for us because the word, the old word, tribulation, worketh patience. Worketh. What is that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's working it. You know, it produces patience. Uh, so he says, not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. And here comes a big word, knowing, knowing. My dear brothers and sisters, that's why I am from time to time want to remind you that in the Christian life there is pain. I want you to know it. I want you to know something because you're knowing it makes you laugh at the guy that's trying to fake to the right and go to the left. Satan, he's trying to bluff you, fake you. But you can just laugh at him because you know his tricks. So, uh, he says, uh, and I know that tribulation produces perseverance or, or patience or staying power. And perseverance, character. But the word character is not really the best, the best translation. It should really read tested character. Tested character. It is that they have come tests or trials or difficulty or these type of things. And they have tested your character and found that it is doing well and getting better. That is the design for these difficulties. That your character would grow. That your faith would grow. That your Christ-likeness would grow. That you would mature. That you'd be more complete. Okay? Those are the things. So, that's why he says... <laughs> We glory in tribulation. Look at that. We glory because we know something. These tribulations, I'm here to pump you up. I don't have much, but Herman is the one that has it all. I have very little. But I'm here to pump you up, knowing something that so I can glory in it. And that these difficulties, they are going to produce in me perseverance, staying power, endurance. My dear brothers and sisters, as Christians, we need endurance. We need staying power to stick with it. To stick with Jesus. Because the world has so many other ideas that will throw us off if we don't get this message. If we don't get it that God has got our back. And that God wants to use these things on our behalf. So when I was asking God, what God, what are you doing to me? He says, no, I'm doing it for you. Not to you. So, but I'm saying these things because of the fact that we are so easily defeated. Not defeated as in that we're giving up. We're defeated and that we're downcast. <laughs> oh, Brother Herbert. <laughs> I had a flat tire this morning. 
So easily are we swayed, and so easily is our joy uh, uh, compromised, if you will, uh, when our joy should be enhanced. That's what the scriptures are saying. The scriptures I've given you so far, that's what it's saying. That you should be of good cheer with glory and tribulations. So, and then it goes to say, uh, tested and, and, and perseverance produces tested character. Tested character. And the idea about tested character is this. You cannot get there with tested character without tests. <laughs> that, is, that is what I find in Christian life. People tested character. But, but they don't want to test. I, the bird says, I am an overcomer, a conqueror in Christ. Yes. So he gives you some things to conquer. <laughs> but we want to be conquerors without anything to conquer. We want miracles without circumstances that require a miracle for us to get out of. We just want a miracle. And so consequently, we read about other people's miracles and books and have testimonies and tapes, but we don't have our own miracles because we, we fight like crazy to be out of those circumstances that would require a miracle for us to get out of it. But, you know, I reminded a little bit, I, I'm reminded a little bit, when Jesus fed the 5,000 loaves and, loaves and fishes, a few loaves and a few fishes, okay? And in the account, I believe that Jesus wants to include the disciples in the miracle. They couldn't see it. Lord, it is getting dark. We got to go home. My dear brothers and sisters, when it gets dark and Jesus is asking you to stick around for a while, he's up to something. We miss it. Oh Lord, oh Lord, did you realize how many people there are? That would require at least a, a, a year's wages for so many of us. And where could we buy these things? Where do we buy uh, enough food for, the, for all these people? So there's a little boy over here. He has, you know, some loaves and fishes. How many do you have? Five loaves, two fishes? Well, let me have them. Let me look at them. <laughs> you know, isn't it a fact that when you look up, things look up? <laughs> Jesus looked up and gave thanks. And according to estimates, because there were 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children, so an estimated 12,000 people were fed, and there were 12 baskets of food left over. You think... You think Jesus got your back? <laughs> hey, just in case some more people come from villages, they heard this thing, I got 12 baskets left for you. And then he goes on to say, and that tested character 
It produces hope. And look what it says about this hope. Now, hope does not disappoint. That kind of hope that God wants to build in you, your hope in Him will not disappoint. It will be for sure. And it is not wishful thinking, like the farmer saying, I wish for some rain. <laughs> I wish to, I think, it's, I believe uh, uh, it's going to rain tomorrow. No, this hope is a for sure thing. It's not just wishful thinking. Okay, we've got to move along because I, I want to finish this thing up. Uh, now, I hope this is important because the love of God is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's given unto us. The, the, the love of God is the witness that He's got us. The next uh, uh, verses I'd like to, for us to put on is um, James 1, 2 through 4. You're very familiar with these scriptures. Uh, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Here's that joy factor once again, that rascal factor. Oh, God, it is difficult. I can barely endure it. Are you asking me to be joyful? You're not only asking me to be joyful, but, but to count it unadulterated, unmixed joy, pure joy. And he says, my brethren, he's talking to us, the brothers and the sisters, count it all joy. Ah, ah. That funny word over there. When? When you fall into Pharisees. This is not an if. This is a when. It is going to happen, my brothers and sisters. This is not iffy, 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 iffy. This is for sure. It is going to happen in your life. When you fall into various trials. And then the knowing thing again. Knowing. Ah! That helps me, baby, when I know when I know what God is up to, that helps me. No? Doesn't it help you? To know what somebody's up to, to know what God is up to, that helps me a lot. Otherwise, I might be distressed. But now I'm happy. <laughs> now I'm joyful. I know that the testing of your faith produces patience. But, <laughs> let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. It says it there in three ways. Perfect, complete, lacking nothing. And the word perfect over there has nothing to do with uh, sinless perfection or, or any other kind of perfection. It has to do with maturity, that you would be a mature Christian, that as God works these things in your life and you let him do it by faith, he works this thing in you that makes you more complete, that makes you more mature. That makes you to lack less or ultimately lack nothing. God. This is, this is part of what he's doing. He's going to test your faith. And the testing of your faith produces patience. He's testing your faith. There's two schools of thought. Well, actually, there's three, three schools of thought. One school says that the difficulties, they will... Test your faith and to see where your faith stands. Exposes your faith that you didn't have enough faith or whatever. Another school of thought says that it is designed to build your faith. My school is both. 
Let it test your faith to see where, to let you know where you are. Because God doesn't know, need to know that. He already does. For your information. And he already knows where you are. So, but he wants you to know where you are. So that you can, you can say, oh Lord, I thought I had more faith than this. Now from now on, Lord, I'll be looking to you. No more looking at the circumstances. They look ugly. I'll be looking to you. You look glorious. And it is also to build my faith that I'm looking to God. God, build my faith, would you? I, I, it was tested and it was insufficient. And God is, God is not upset with you. He's just saying, I'm going to help you. You want your faith built? I'll have a few more of these tribulations for you. No, I'm just sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then we look at, we look at, and look, I'm, I'm not doing all that bad here. We look at uh, 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14. It's interesting. Uh, 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14. It's coming up. That Peter is saying, hey, oh, there it is. Beloved. He's talking to the beloved. Do not think it's, do not think it's strange. It is not strange. Do not think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try, to, to try you. There is a fiery trial that is going to try you, he says. Don't think it's strange. It is normal. Here on earth, there are tests and trials and difficulties. He says, I don't think it's strange. Continue to fight, which try you. As though some strange thing happened to you. <laughs> it is not a strange thing. And it is not strange. But, oh, here's that funny word again. Rejoice. Here's another word. To the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. I, I, I could have, that is 12. Okay, I'm going to give you a couple more verses because it's, it's important. Uh, uh, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. Whoa. For the spirit, check this out. I'm not making it up. This is the scripture. The apostle Peter. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. I don't know about you, but I want that spirit of glory to rest on me. That spirit of glory, I want to rest on me. But he says, it might require a little difficulty. It might require a little difficulty. On their part, is blasphemed. That has a little bit different connotation. So I, I look at the, at one, at, oh, maybe one or two more verses, then we're, then we're done. We look at one more. Hebrews, the 12th chapter. And I'll read verses 5 through 15. Make a comment here, a comment there, a comment there. And then we're done. And you have forgotten the exhortation. What does it mean, exhortation? Somebody? Okay? Exhortation. Somebody else. What does it mean? 
When you read the word exhortation in the scriptures, it just simply means encouragement. Hmm? It is, exhortation means he is encouraging you. That's just that simple. You got it, you got it. Vamos, vamos, vamos. Have you, and you have forgotten the exhortation. He is speaking about an encouragement. Listen to the encouragement. Okay? He, this is where God wants us to come to a place that we not always feel like he's, he, he is beating us. He's encouraging us. <laughs> And that he's not just beating us, he's loving us. One time, I went on a seven-day fast. A seven-day fast is not that long. But a fast is difficult for me. I used to fast every week, but with my medication and so that I have to take and, and have to eat it. I have to take my medication after I've eaten something, so that makes it difficult to fast at, at, at certain situations. But... Uh, but this one time, I fasted seven days and seven nights. I felt like the Lord wanted me to do that. I went to a, a brother who I know fasted regularly, and I told him, what do you think? I, I, I can't find a place to do it because my, my job is so physical as a tennis pro. He says, God will find you just the right slot. Don't worry about it. And God did find me just the right slot. Don't worry about it. Uh, and fasting for me is very difficult. Is fasting for you difficult? I'm not talking about for an hour or for a meal. I'm talking about for a few days. Well, I was in my bedroom on the fourth day when my son had a pizza party in the kitchen. <laughs> and like a dummy, I walked to the kitchen. Ah! <laughs> I ran out of there. <laughs> I couldn't. And while I was fasting, a brother asked me, you know, to witness his son's circumcision. This was about the fifth day of my fast. I thought to myself, no problem, oh baby. And the doctor is circumcising the little baby. I see the blood flowing. I go, oh. I got to sit down <laughs> on an empty stomach for five days. I couldn't take it. But the Lord asked me, and he says, I say, Lord, okay, with fasting usually comes prayer. Is there anything in specific that you want me to pray for? And the Lord was very clear about it. He says, yes, I want you to pray because my children, often when I love them, they think I'm punishing them or I am disciplining them. But why I'm just loving them. And they don't have the perspective. They don't have the insight that I'm actually loving them. Okay, Lord, I can do that. So I prayed. And anyways, I had... I did my seven days, and I was glad to, you know, have some food afterwards also. Uh, and he says, the exhortation, this is an encouragement, which speaks to you as sons, not as strange children, but as sons, his sons. He is speaking to his children. My son, do not despise the chastening or the discipline of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked of him, this is an encouragement. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scorches every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? He says that if he's chastening you, if he's disciplining you, 
He is treating you like a son. Okay, then he goes on. But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are like illegitimate and not sons. You are like an illegitimate child if he's not chastening you, if he's not disciplining you. His discipline is because of love, because he loves you that much. That he doesn't want to withhold discipline from you. Because if he does, then it is one, he doesn't show love, and two, you're not going to grow. Okay, and God has to sort of build in for you. I mean, just, you know. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live, or have spiritual life? Uh, Next verse says this. For they indeed, for a few days, chastened us as seemed best to them. Our early fathers, they, they, they tried. They were not that good at it. Poor guys. My father was pretty good at it. I had no doubt in my mind that he loved me. And that when my mom chastened me, I got out of it no problem. My mom was a softie. Mom, mom, come on now. Come on. I've stayed home for two days now. At least let me go for a half an hour or an hour. Okay, well, go then. Don't tell your dad. But when my dad disciplined me, no wiggle room, baby. But I knew my dad loved me. It was, I'm not trying to imply that my mom didn't love me. I knew my mom loved me. But she was loving in sort of a, a softy way. My father was in a sterner way. He didn't do it very often. But when he did, no wiggle room. And I stayed home as long as he said that I should, till the hour that he said that I should. <laughs> uh, but he, they, they did it as, as they saw fit. I told my children, I'm going to make many mistakes. You have to forgive me. I haven't done this thing before, fathering. But the Lord has put me in charge of you. So, and I've been around the mountain a few more times than you, so stick with me. And, and thank, thankfully, for the most part, <laughs> they did, uh, for the most part. But he, our heavenly father, for our prophet, our early father did the best they could, the uh, best they understood, but, but uh, for him, for our prophet, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Uh, and then he goes on, now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. Discipline doesn't seem to be joyful. He says it doesn't seem to be joyful. Because it seems to, to, to be painful. And sometimes it is painful, but there is benefit coming from it. Right? Is what he's saying. Uh, so, no, now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. There is a training that God has for us. He disciplines us. That training causes, what does it say over there? It causes a little pain, but in the end, I'm sorry, in the end it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. The peaceable fruit of righteousness. That is what I want in my life. And I know that you want that in your life as well. But it comes by the chastening of the Lord, by His discipline. 
And then we go through 15, I guess. And I'm going to stop over here. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down. Actually, another translation says, straighten the hands. Straighten is a better translation than strengthen. Because it comes from, that, that word that is used over there comes from bones that may be broken and, and bent, and that they, God straightens them out. It is the, the same word that is used in one of the Gospels when, God, when Jesus heals somebody, straightened his bones. Uh, so he says, your hands that are hanging like this, and your knees that are buckling because you feel the weight of the chastisement, and you feel the weight of the test, he says, straighten them out. Vamos! No reason to be downcast. If anything, be joyful because the Lord loves you and wants you to be more like that son, Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord! <laughs> I thought maybe you guys jump up and say, praise the Lord. I told you from the beginning, this is not a down message. This is an, a message of encouragement so that we might have the perspective and the insight that God wants us to have concerning pain. And this is not necessarily just pain that has to do with Christian persecution, but it, this has to do with um, also the tests and trials that come in this life. So my dear brothers and sisters, God is good. And that word knowing that we saw several times pop up, knowing, knowing, count it all joy. When you found the verse, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. We glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation works with patience, and patience experience and experience hope, and so on and so forth. We know. So I want to bring that knowing to you that you never doubt again that God has your back. Just look to him, the author and finisher of our faith. So often we glance at Jesus and focus on our circumstances instead of focusing on Jesus and glancing at our circumstances. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let us stand.